Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, We have a great lineup of guests, and uh, my next guest is going to be talking to us about uh, data. And uh, Bradford Bach from Titan Technologies is going to be, which is a a leading business and technology consulting firm. And what they do is they provide local and wide area network integration services, internet consulting, security consulting, and support services for medium and large organizations. And so we're going to be talking about some some interesting topics that you might want to grab a pencil and a notepad to take some notes. Uh, Bradford, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Bill. Uh, Before we get into the the meat of the matter here, uh, could you share a little bit about uh, your background and tell us about Titan Technologies? Well, I've been doing data and IT for a long time, longer than I care to admit. Um, from the, when the first PCs started coming out to the first kind of networking, to uh, to the building up the old connectivities through um, WANs, um, X.25 frame relays, today's you know MLS circuits. Um, we connect everything, we secure everything, and we host. We have our own hosting, and been doing this a pretty long time. Uh, since the, the late 80s, early 90s. That is that is a long time in, in the tech world, that's for sure. So you've seen a lot of changes and a lot of amazing uh, innovations, I'm sure, come along. Uh, what type of clients typically would call you at Titan? You know, my bread and butter are the financial services co- companies, the legal services, and the medical services. Um, we do hosting. We provide outsource IT. And we help companies stay in compliance with their um, the, the, the laws as far as on protecting consumers and employee data. Yeah, there's a lot to that these days. There's, I mean, obviously, uh, privacy has come to the the forefront of everybody's concerns. Uh, let's talk about that. Why is data privacy so important? Well, it's a lot of our very personal information. And the ironic part is we give a lot of it away freely. That's one thing if we give it away ourselves. But the other hand is it's it's another if people who we do business with, whether as a consumer doing business or business to business, and they give it away purposely or unpurposely. So uh, how would – let's get into that. So how would – how would someone give it away not on purpose? Can you expand on that? Well, sure, sure. I mean, look, most of us are not islands. You know, we get car loans. We go to doctor's offices. 
um, any credit cards that we apply for, we always give personal information. Normally we give it and hope that the person we're giving it to, or the business we're giving it to, is going to protect that data. Um, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You know, otherwise there's marketing companies or things like Facebook where we freely give it away. But going back to the businesses, we help businesses protect their their clients' data or even their employees' data. You know, a lot of times I like to say in the old days, we used to build the infrastructure, the networks, where basically we secured it. We secured it with a firewall and antivirus and, and the network login protections that, that afforded us. And it was basically so your mailroom guy couldn't see your HR stuff that couldn't see your accounting stuff there. But, you know, in the last 10 years, it's gotten way bigger than that, and now there are people on the outside world trying to get all that information. So even from the IT side, you know, we have to develop a lot more protections and securities and training. Uh, I would imagine so. And, of course, so many things these days are on the cloud. And um, I guess a big question that I, as a as a novice in this area, would think is, how do I know? Uh, what do I look for to uh, to assure myself or feel good about the fact that my information's on the cloud? How do I know it's being protected properly? Well, well, typically your major cloud providers are going to do their due diligence. But like when I deal with my medical clients, you know, they have to have HIPAA business associate agreements. You know, saying that they are doing the protections. You know, a lot of people go to Microsoft in their Office 365, and you know, Microsoft contends that they are in HIPAA compliant. You know, well, I, I always use the HIPAA compliancy as the base because if you're HIPAA compliant, you'll probably meet all the other compliances at, at this point there. But, you know, what I tell typical users are, you know, you, you can't worry as much about on the back end what you can't control. You can worry about what you can control. You know, don't use your simple passwords. Don't make it your kid's or dog's name. Don't post it on your, on your monitors, you know, your passwords. You know, I, I walk into a client site, and they have bank accounts, they would B of A or Wells Fargo, and they'll put mm-hmm. their user ID and their passwords right on their monitor there. You know, and, and maybe, you know, they're in a small office, but at night a janitorial staff comes in there, you know, and sometimes these guys get paid by hackers to get that information, and for 100 bucks they'll turn it over. They'll take a picture, and they'll turn it over. So what we can yep. do is make sure we protect it from our end, have a current antivirus, make sure it's updated, make sure your operating system is patched properly, any Adobe flashes, Acrobat, stuff like that, keep it current. And that's the best that we could do on our end. And obviously, where I also work on, don't click on links in your email or Facebook that you shouldn't be. Um, always double-check when you get um, CFOs or, or, or controllers will get emails to do wire transfers. You know, I always say do an out-of-band um, um, verification so that you know it's legitimate because these hackers are pretty damn good and they emulate people who we trust. Yeah, and I and I hear I hear that one of the things you you can do is to uh, click on the 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 from address and see if it looks suspicious. If something looks like it's say from your bank, but you it kind of is you're you're worried. Is is that true? Is that I mean, can you can you usually see? That there's you're they're masking uh, an email address from the from field. You can, and you could always hover over the link that where they tell you to click on, and you'll see it have nothing to do with let's say Citibank or, or Wells Fargo. But the, the the real bottom line is don't click on the links if you don't have to. You could always go go into your browser and click your own links. Everybody has their own PayPal login or their their B of A login. Don't do it from the email or from your Facebook. 
or, or anything that, that or, or um, uh, instant message. Just go to the browser itself and type it in if you think it's legit. It's legit. Those are great tips. So, so let's talk about disaster recovery. Um, a lot of small businesses are worried about, you know, what happens if, if anything happens. We're in Southern California. There could be a, I guess, a fire, a flood, or an earthquake at any moment <laughs> where, where, we, where we are, and it's, that's really not a joke. It's just a, a fact of life. But what, what is disaster recovery? Let's talk about that. Disaster recovery could be a natural disaster or it could be something internal, a ransomware could be a disaster where everything's wiped out there. When I talk to clients and I want them to do disaster recovery, what I'm saying is I want to make sure what you have locally, or even if it's in the cloud, you have good backups, you have good um, replications, um, and you have things that you can go back to 15, 30 days or even longer, depend on if there's a compliance need and stuff like that. Um, Check your backups. Make sure it's working. My clients, we have to do disaster recovery tests every six months, you know, and verify it's working, you know, and how extensive depends on, you know, the size of the company and what their requirements are. But you basically want to make sure that you're not just depending on a local tape backup drive backing up and hoping that it's working. Um, last summer, I got a referral. Um, company got um, wiped out by a ransomware. So it took us a few days to, to clean everything up, and they were down. And then they gave us the restoration. And when we went to restore it, it was like 90 days dated. So they didn't have a current um, backup, and they thought they did. You know, so they were hurt, you know, and that caused a lot of problems for this small business over there. And a lot of companies, you know, it's hard to come back from all these data losses. So, like I said, it could be because um, there's a fire or there's a water leakage in the building and they yellow tape it, or it could be something like a ransomware or some other virus attack that knocks you out. Yeah, there's a lot that can go wrong, and uh, you know, I guess I, I think I tend to think that I remember the days when, yeah, you had your your local backup that you you know somebody took home every night. But these days, it seems like a lot of things are in the cloud. Do we have to worry about that type of a thing too, or is it is, if it's in the cloud, is it uh, uh, we, we can always access it from where we happen to be as long as we have our passwords, right? Exactly. See, the cloud. Is, is very big, you know, kind of reminds me of the original Amazon commercials. Oh, we're bigger than a football field. We're bigger than this. There's different levels of security depend on which cloud service you're, you're hosting. We provide our own private cloud. We have our own data center there, and it's not big, and it's probably not a target for most for most people. But we still got to lock it down and secure it. But the, the, the real thing is you want to make sure that your backup is good and regular. Um, Look, you can't worry about things you can't control. You know, when, TR, when TransUnion gets hacked, what are you going to do? I mean, we all put in there. I mean, you just can't worry about it. When someone says up to me, oh, do you think I should be concerned? It's like, you know what, do, do monitoring on your credit. You know, what can I tell you? Just assume you've been, your information is out there in a the dark net. So I tell people, don't worry about what you can't control. You can't control Amazon's cloud services. You know, they, they, they sell it as they do all this data security and protection. And if you're going to pay the different things or Microsoft, you know, you assume it is and until you until you find out they've been hacked and breached, and then you deal with it from there. What you could do is make sure your data is protected. You, you make sure it's getting backed up regularly. You make sure on what kind of level you need. Do you need one-hour turnaround, or can you be down for a day or two? You, those are decisions you have to make and, and live with based on what services you go with. You know, I have a client. They're in the financial services, and uh, – when I originally talked to them, they said, oh, we could be down three, four, five days, no big deal. You know, well, last summer, we had a hard drive die, and uh, they were down, and then we realized we couldn't bring them up right away. 
unfortunately, we had them redirected because we have them replicated in our data center there, and they were up and running within an hour or two. You know, so they were happy. And I, and I assured you, if they were down five days, which they originally told us, they would have not been happy campers. So we got them up, we got them redirected, and the data was there. You know, people have to understand, you know, the quicker the turnaround, the, the costlier it's going to be. So everybody does their mental risk analysis. How much do you want to pay today for the protection of down the road? Kind of like insurance. Great ideas. Now, you have something called a due diligence survey where you start with a customer, I understand. Tell us a little bit about that and how that works. Well, a bunch of my clients are financial. They do the private equities and hedge funds. And when they, do, when they invest money into other businesses, they want to know what their infrastructure is like. Well, I kind of turnkeyed that and said, you know, for any, any businesses you know, that I get referred into, um, I could do a, a simple due diligence questionnaire, do a quick analysis, and give them a conceptual of what their state of the state is in their infrastructure. And then if they want, they could hire us to come in and we could confirm what they have and what they don't have. And believe me, sometimes what you think you have and what you have could be miles apart. What, what are some of the, uh, you know, I, we hear a lot about a lot of uh, upcoming technologies like uh, uh, I don't know. I've heard of things like uh, your 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 lights, your office lights will become wide area Wi-Fi things like this. What are some of the things that are on your radar screen that you track as some of the futuristic technologies that are that are in front of us? I mean, a lot of it's there today. I mean, how many people are running to Amazon to get their Alexas and stuff like that? Well, and you know, which kind of scares me. I mean, even I won't put an Alexa in my house, and you know, I'm, I'm not, you know. For other reasons, but the thing is that they could be hacked. We call it the IoT, Internet of Things, your, your, your camera that you have at your house. I mean, you, you, you manage your heating and your cooling, your lights in your house. You know, anything that connects to the Internet can be hackable. And here's the real problem. Even if you do your due diligence and you protect it with your security, sometimes they have back doors. You know, Linksys and D-Link, you know, they had back doors into their router. So even if we changed our IDs and our passwords, you know, if someone gets a, access to a back end from, you know, the people who manufacture it, they could get into your networks and then they could get into um, – your, your your appliances and there was a couple in Oregon who had an Alexa and they didn't realize it but it was recording them when they didn't know they were being recorded it wasn't even supposed to be recording they you know Alexa takes commands and then it does what you ask it to do and this one and someone sent it to them and they had their conversation so you never know and especially with you know then we go back to the videos that we take in our house where we protect our homes inside and out so I mean, it's around us. You know, what about the wire, the driverless cars? You know, they're going to be connected to GPSs through the Internet. I mean, how are they going to protect that down the, in the road? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. know, we're going to live. We're going to take certain risks, I guess, for the advancements out there. Yeah, it's it's funny because as we make, make it gets more and more convenient, it also creates more and more more vulnerabilities, and that's where. So, is is one of the things that your firm does with the due diligence survey and everything to come in and let's let's figure out what your risks are and whether you think that they're they need to be protected or not. Exactly, and not only that, I work with insurance people who do the cyber liability policies. Make sure you get the right policies. You know, I, I kind of think at some point something's going to happen because we're spread thin. We work hard. 
we multitask, and someone's going to click on a link they shouldn't have at some point, and something's going to happen. What we don't know is how bad it's going to be. And I, I, I consider it like you know driving on the 405. You know, at some point you're going to get into a fender bender. You just hope it's nothing big and major, and it's, it's not a big deal. But you know, as the previous um, person you were speaking to, you could have some serious damages. And the truth is. Businesses that aren't well protected, that they don't have the, the, the insurance, and they have a big breach, and that's not counting the state notifications and what their liability is to the state and to the government, you know, they'll go out of business. It's a, it's a very big cost to, once you get hit and you don't deal with it appropriately. Yeah, you know, you, 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 some interesting ideas and tips in there, Bradford. I think one of the things that concerns me is that if you have – Let's say you have 50 or 100 or, or more employees. It could be one employee. The question is, do they know not to click on that link at work? Um, so do you do kind of workshops or do you uh, have uh, certain rules and guidelines that you also make sure that employers spread around to employees so they're not the weak link? Yes, yes, and yes. One, you've got to have <laughs> networking policies and procedures. And you just don't have them. You have to implement them. And everybody needs to know what they are. Um, you've got to let people know in your company what the purpose of their computer is and, and their phone if you provide it. And if they bring their own device, you've got that policies and procedures for a lot of reasons. But, you know, and in HR people could tell you the other reasons there. But from our technology perspective, you've got to make sure. And if you let people work from home on their own computers, you have to have policies and procedures because companies are going to be liable at the end of the day if it's if, if it's misused and 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 someone in the company causes a, a conflict outside or with someone else in the, in the company there so policies and procedures are always good and that's one of the things you find businesses are lacking you know and then obviously your other policies and procedures for for backup and and, and, and disaster recovery um, and if you do get a data breach how you're going to handle it because I'll tell you another thing is I, you know, when you do get a hack, you have to do it, or even a suspected hack, especially in, the, in our HIPAA world, you have to do an analysis, and you have to document it. Documentation goes a long way in protecting you against other future liabilities. And when you see what the states are doing, like here in California, they're making businesses more and more responsible, even if the end user hasn't had any damages to prove at this point. A lot to think about, and uh, and like you say, I mean, it just all it takes is uh, – I kind of think about the, uh, uh, the the parents that leave a babysitter at home and they say, make sure all the doors are locked. Well, with your employees, you need to make sure that they don't unlock the wrong door and let somebody in that back door and that, that can affect your system. It can be very costly and dangerous these days. How do our clients best get in, or our listeners, I'm sorry, <laughs> how do our listeners best get in touch with you, Bradford? Uh, my website, www.titan-ca.com. Um, they can fill out information, and we will follow up and get back to them. So it's titan-ca.com. California.com. Or California. And and you're lo you're located in Long Beach, but you, you do business all over the place, right? Yes, yes. I mean, I have financial clients that have offices by, you know, by coastal, and we manage their whole IT infrastructure. And do you find that when you when you first work with a client, um, are they uh, just um, not up to speed, or are they are they looking for better service when they come to you? What what are some of the reasons they would come to you? All, all, all of the above. Uh, a lot of times they had a you know for example I, I mentioned before a, a, a referral last year came in and the client thought they had good disaster recovery and backup and they thought once we cleaned up the ransomware they'd be up and running and it wasn't so and they had another IT company there that mis misled them so they told us anyway and you know 
that was one reason there. Sometimes it's a, you know companies are are starting up and they still need to um, in the financial space there and they still have to have their compliance and they need need to do that. And the last part is you know we help businesses through the trainings and make sure that their employees learn because like I said you're as strong as your weakest link. Um, you know your, your receptionist could click on click on a link that she shouldn't have, and before you know it, you know if you're not monitoring inbound and outbound traffic, something just a payload could hit, and you could be you could be exposed. So there's a lot of reasons why, you know, and a lot of people just hear good things about us and they call us. And let me tell you something else, listeners. Bradford is well connected. Uh, he and I both belong to a group called Provisors. It's over 5,000 different types of advisors strong. Uh, so if you have other issues or situations you need help, you can ask him for that. But do yourself a favor and call Bradford Bach at Titan Technologies uh, before you have a problem. That would be much better for both of you, wouldn't it, Bradford? It would. And like I tell people, even if you have an existing IT company, we'll just come in and do an assessment and give you the state of the state. Nothing makes me happier to say your IT company is doing a great job. Excellent. So if you're on your uh, computer right now, go to titan-ca.com. Check out what they do and give them a call, Bradford. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you uh, sharing some valuable tips with our listeners, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again perhaps sometime in the near future. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 